0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Welcome back to Heritage Radio Network on tour. We are coming at you from Charlotte, North Carolina today. I'm your host, Katie Mosman-Wadler. And I am Kat Johnson. And we are here today with a special guest, Bob Peters. Welcome.
2: Well, thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank you. It's uh, an honor to be back on the show.
1: Awesome. Well, we caught up with you at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival, but in case anyone missed that interview, Bob is uh, known around here as Bob the Bartender. He is the Creative Director of Bar Operations and Head Mixologist at the Ritz-Carlton here, and we are sitting in his bar, The Punch Room, uh, where we enjoyed a variety of cocktails last night, all... (laughs) astonishing and wonderful creations that we'll talk more about. Um, But also, we just got to go on a super cool tour of the little scene, um, uh, kind of upstairs. That's um, right, the garden. Back garden and urban cultivator, so definitely want to talk to you about that. Absolutely. Can you give us the, the quick overview of what the Punch Room is?
2: First, okay. And then absolutely. We'll talk about the tour. Yeah. So we're um, right now we're sitting in the punch room up on the fifteenth floor of the Ritz Carlton in downtown Charlotte, and we have like this little tiny cocktail lounge up here, and it is thirty-seven seats, so it's really really small, and that's all we allow in here at one time, and we actually don't allow standing, which is unusual for Charlotte, but uh, you guys know in bigger cities that's really not that outrageous. Um, So that allows us to give the superior level of service when we don't get accidentally overwhelmed by like a big crowd, which um, tends to happen um, in downtown Charlotte after concerts let out or sporting events, um, what have you. But um, we wanted to make sure that we ensured uh, an incredible level of service here. So again, we only allow 37 people in at once. And when we reach our capacity of that 37, then the host or the hostess will take your name and your phone number and uh, you can go wait down in the lobby lounge, which is called Kinship. You can go wait down in Kinship, um, the the lobby lounge of the Ritz-Carlton here, um, and wait for us to send you a text message. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, some time to close out your tab down there and then come back up to the 15th floor and uh, we'll have a seat ready for you.
1: That's amazing. And you just took over the creative direction for the lobby bar as well, right? That's
2: correct. That's correct. So I'll be putting out my first menu down there shortly, hopefully within the next couple of weeks, for the new summer menu down there. So we're going to do some fun, really refreshing cocktails for for, uh, kinship down there, as well as the menu uh, up here in the punch room. The summer menu will be coming out um, probably shortly after that one.
1: Nice. So while someone's waiting, they can still enjoy... One of your cocktails, downstairs. <laughs> yes,
2: right. <laughs> and I tell it's funny, people ask that all the time. They're like, oh, wow, so you have to wait to get in? And I'm like, well, if, if we're full, then yes, but it's not so bad because you're still having cocktails in the lobby lounge of the Ritz-Carlton, and it's not like you're on a street corner in the middle of the winter in Chicago, like outside, like... Dying, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's, it's not so bad, I would like to think, that when you have to wait, you're still getting spoiled pretty well.
1: Not the worst thing ever.
2: Not the worst thing ever. I would have to agree with that.
1: So we'll come back and talk about some of the drinks that we tried last night okay. and about the punch room. But Did I, you guys have fun? Oh my God. So much fun. Thank (laughs) you. It was also um, midnight, was Kat's birthday. So uh, you helped us mark that occasion very splendidly. Yes. Up there, best birthdays. Oh, That was so cool to just like sit there and witness you making all these amazing (laughs) (laughs) drinks and then the glassware. But yeah, yeah, we'll We'll talk about that. (laughs) Okay. Um, But first, what did we just see on the roof?
2: Okay. So it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, I'm, I don't know if, um, if I mentioned this, but, uh, so as I was interviewing for this job, um, a couple of years back before the punch room opened, I was speaking with the general manager whose name is David Rothwell. He's a brilliant, brilliant man. Um, and somebody that I'm very, very fond of. He, um, He's great. So I was speaking with him, and we were sort of interviewing each other, if you will. And uh, he was he was talking, and I said, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt. Is there – I've got this crazy idea. What do you think about putting a garden on the roof? And he paused for about three seconds and looked up and over to his right, and he looked back at me, and he said, we can do that. I was like, I like this guy. This, he's amazing. Uh, so it took him about that long to figure out that – that we could in fact do it and do it really well. So we have an organic garden on the roof with a bunch of planter boxes and there's actually, um, actually beehives up there too i've got two beehives and a bunch of a bunch of herbs we've got some tomatoes growing up there there's honeysuckle there's actually um kiwi that i showed you guys earlier we've got a ton of kiwi that hopefully will come in this year it takes a little while to fruit so again keep your fingers crossed and we'll have kiwi cocktails (laughs) shooting off the 15th floor um And probably in the lobby, too. So I'm looking forward to to the kiwi coming in.
1: And for our listeners who were not lucky enough to see those kiwi plants... Well, I don't want to give it away, but how does a kiwi grow? Can you describe it? Is it a bush? Is okay. it a tree? Is it so a ki-
2: shrub? Kiwi is sort of loosely related to grapes. So think grapevine kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so we have this some trellises uh, up there, and they basically have woven themselves into the trellis. And um, they take uh, about a year. Again, they take about a year to fruit, and we planted them last year. And so hopefully this year we'll get some fruit. Um, Fruits of our labor. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. And is
1: the kiwi uh, flower edible? And will you plan to use some of those?
2: I, I plan to use everything I can. Um, I'm I don't know. I haven't explored too much um, about all the different uses uh, that I can that I can come up with with um, the kiwi yet. But I've played around with it a little bit uh, sometime in the past, but. Um, I'm really looking forward to doing some really crazy stuff with it. I wonder if, I mean, surely you can eat the, f- the I don't know, maybe you can eat the the, um, the leaves. Mm-hmm. But they've I got that fuzzy kind of, right, Yeah, they've <laughs> got that fuzzy thing. But then you can eat kiwi, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so well, we'll figure it out. It's huh. going to be fun. Like, that's part of the, the fun is, like, the journey, you know, and yeah. exploring all these new weird things.
1: Well, also talk to us a little bit more about the beehives and, and how those work.
2: Okay, so the beehives that we have are uh, non-traditional beehives. They're called flow hives, and um, I have two of them. uh, Hopefully you can get – I would love to have a couple more up up there, but for right now we have two. And the flow hives were developed by a – Uh, father-son team and I believe they're out of Australia if I'm not mistaken and they sort of came up with this kind of new technology sort of beehive and what they did is they produced a um, like a man-made honeycomb in there and so there's the bees don't have to produce the wax um, and what happens is they can just go in there and start filling them with honey so at a point in the back of the beehive instead of in in order to extract the honey instead of having to like take the roof off and then take the individual frames out which is what has the honeycomb in it and the honey then what you do is you put a crank in the back of the box and you turn the crank and what that does is it cracks the uh the um the man-made honeycomb Uh, and so then at that point the honey can roll through the honeycomb and then come out basically on tap at the bottom of the um, beehive so you don't have to take the bees out of the hive in order to extract the honey so they don't go crazy so you don't need a beehive you don't need a bee suit and you don't need um you don't need like a smoker or anything like that because they're they're just chilling in their their beehive it's 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 pretty fascinating
1: and normally, when you are going to extract honey, you also need to centrifuge the honeycomb to separate the honey out of the comb. Do you have to do any kind of filtration?
2: No, um, no, we don't. Uh, we don't resell this honey, so um, we don't. Um, we like to keep it in its r- sort of raw status, um, and it's really incredibly delicious. And because of all the herbs that we have up there, you can taste um, notes of uh, the basil and the mint. Really, really prominently in inside of the honey, and it is delicious
1: mm-hmm. uh, so talk about uh the Charlotte urban agriculture and apiculture scene
2: okay, so um this is is really something that is really important to us and one of the, the great reasons why I love working for the Ritz-Carlton is because they are so incredibly committed to their guests that they have allowed me basically to put an, an organic garden on the roof with beehives so that your cocktails taste better. I mean, it's outrageous uh, and I, I really love that fact that that that's something that we're pushing, you know, to do, like, this pretty odd stuff. So, you know, there's farm-to-table sort of movement. This is, we've kind of deemed this like a garden-to-glass kind of uh, kind of experience, which is, um, it's it's really interesting and, like, again, just an odd way of sort of going about doing cocktails. But, again, why not? You know, why not? So um, it's great. The, the agriculture scene um, and the urban agriculture scene here in Charlotte is definitely, um, definitely getting larger by the day Um, there's lots of places now that that have their own gardens for herbs and things like that and the agriculture scene down here um, in the southeast is is pretty amazing so you can hop in your car and drive about 10-15 minutes north of the city which would probably take us about I don't know maybe maybe 20 minutes from here in in downtown and we, we could be on a farm you know, and have like a and not just a little tiny farm, but like a big farm with all kinds of really amazing, um, amazing produce uh, coming coming off the, the farm every day. So it's it's really nice, and <clears throat> it's great because the um, I'm, you guys I'm sure have talked with some of the other other chefs in town who um, who probably mentioned the Piedmont Culinary Guild, which is great because the, the PCG is something that started a couple years ago, and it's this incredible, incredible um, resource that we have now to connect the farmers with the chefs, which is great because now you don't have to worry about uh, like the middleman sometimes. You know, you can get it right from the chef. So if all of a sudden you realize that you know, strawberries um, are in season, then you can sort of uh, go through the PCG and then get in touch with the strawberry farmer. And then they'll be like, yeah, how many do you want? You want a hundred pounds? I can bring them to you tomorrow. And you're like, <laughs> Oh my, yes, yes, please, please. <laughs> As a
1: matter of fact. I know. That right.
2: That's great. So um, the, the agriculture down here has gotten, um, well, has been and also um, the urban agriculture has gotten really amazing lately. And, and I'm, um, I'm really happy to be exploring that in our program here as well.
1: Mm -hmm. So, we had a couple of drinks last night that featured some local produce. I want to talk to you about the buzzed bee. I'm sorry, the the buzz, the buzz bunny. Buzzed bunny. I got distracted with bees and beekeeping. (laughs) The buzzed bunny, uh, the drink, and then we have to talk about the glassware. The
2: glassware? Okay. Well, so first things first, the um, the Buzzed Bunny is one of our brand new cocktails on the spring menu, and that has Cardinal Barrel Rusted Gin, which is a local North Carolina gin. It's made in Kings Mountain, North Carolina, which is only about I don't know thirty five minutes away from where we are right now. And uh, Cardinal is one of my favorite products; I use it all the time. And that is um, it's this really incredible gin, and it's aged for a year in an American oak barrel, so it's dark. It looks like a whiskey, but it's actually mm-hmm. a gin. It's really cool. So I use uh, some of that as well as some fresh-pressed carrot juice, um, which gives it this really beautiful orange color, of course. And then after that, a little bit of sweet vermouth, um, Italian sweet vermouth. It's amazing. And then on top on top then I put a homemade St. Germain foam on top Mm -hmm. which is cool because the um, the foam has booze in it (laughs) <laughs> so it's kind of like, um, kind of like floating a cocktail on top of the cocktail that makes the cocktail taste better, which I think is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um,
1: and it's really cool to watch you put the foam in there <laughs> because there's not much of an opening in that glass.
2: It's yeah, it's interesting. So the <laughs> I've found these really crazy beautiful um, gla- this glassware called Ruska out of the Czech Republic, and they do all these amazing, beautiful hand blown pieces. And so this glass, and you can um, you can f- see pictures of it. Um, actually, I guess you can see an easy thing to do would f- look it up on my Instagram. So that's um, Bob underscore Peters. Um, and anyway, so you can um, – they look like poppy blossoms, mm. like beautiful poppy blossoms uh, and so with a stem on them. And they have this really narrow opening uh, so that we – there's a glass straw that goes down in that. And it's – I think they're really whimsical and fun and uh, – they're just stunning. Like it's something that you haven't really seen before and kind of a glass vessel. And so I thought that it would be fun to put roots and flowers all in the same glass. And it's one of these poppy blossoms. So that's the, the carrots are the roots obviously. And then the, um, the flowers are the, um, the St. Germain, uh, elderflower liqueur. So it's,
1: and you've actually got the seeds on there. Yeah. And then you sprinkle too. some
2: poppy seeds on top and um, <laughs> it's, it looks beautiful and it tastes pretty good. And, um, it's fun.
1: We'll put a photo on the episode page too. Cool. So whoever's cool. listening, go check it out. Um, and you have to look at Bob's Instagram because it's just gorgeous. We'll come back for all your social handles sure. at the sure. end, but don't miss it. Um, it's so beautiful. So glassware is a big part of the cocktails that you make
2: absolutely
1: how and why did you fall in love with collecting interesting glassware?
2: Well th- thank you for noticing some people I think don't don't understand how important glassware is to um, to cocktails. I think it is incredibly important it's the same sort of way that chefs are obsessive about their plates sometimes you know um, you want you want the glass to show off what you're doing, but not exactly to take away from it. Um, so it's this weird balance of like beauty and simplicity that sort of needs to harmonize. And so I love beautiful glassware that, that typically is, um, simple and elegant. And I think to me, like that's the most beautiful, beautiful stuff in the world is like simplicity, you know, to me, that's, that's true elegance. So I, um, I just think that it's incredibly important. So I put a lot of energy into it. You know, I will find, like, dig for days and days and days to find glassware, uh, and then I'll find something new, and then I'll latch on to it like, you know, like um, like a crazy person, and then um, finally figure out a way to get them in here. And then, then the fun thing is, is, then you get to sort of dress up the glassware with drinks. <laughs> Do you yeah.
1: ever see a, a, a unique... Um, glass and have an idea for a cocktail based on just looking at a glass.
2: Yeah, so uh, there's a, a fun story that um, I. It's it's bad. It's it's good and it's bad. I actually sometimes dream about work. You know, I'm, I'm sure you guys can relate to that at some point. But some I pe- think your
1: dreams are probably way more fun.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, so okay, so this one time I was looking and I found this really cool p- piece of glassware. This is some years ago. I found this really beautiful sort of vintage looking um, small milk bottle and it looked like something uh, your grandparents probably drank out of while they were in school you know um, sort of the mini milk bottle and I became obsessed with it and I was like okay I'm gonna buy this and then I thought to myself well you don't know what you're gonna do with it yet why would you buy it so I said okay I'm gonna figure out the recipe first and then as soon as I do that that will be my reward will be able to get the glass you know so Um, so I thought about it literally for days and I was like pacing by my, uh, by my computer looking at it and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I also wanted it to be something smart that wasn't just, you know, like if you put a Jack and Coke in a milk bottle, like that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, you know, like it's still going to look cool because it's a beautiful bottle, but I mean, it would be a whole lot smarter if it actually related somehow to to the vessel. So I thought about it and thought about it. Couldn't come up with anything. And then was thinking about it right before I went to bed. Finally fell asleep. And then I dreamt about the recipe. People were like, oh, that's awesome. You're dreaming in recipes. That's great. No, it's not great. It's not great at all. I'm still at work when I'm dreaming. I could be flying through the Grand Canyon or like Superman <laughs> or doing something cool. But... No, I'm still at work. You, so, you're
1: just making.
2: <laughs> I'm still making cocktails drinks, right? That in that my dreams, changing like,
1: the world. Can't get it out of my head. <laughs> so, uh,
2: so I finally came up with this this idea, and I woke up and I had the recipe in my head. And so, a lot of times, um, the glassware will uh, influence the cocktail, and so, um, and and well, you know. Inspiration can kind of come from anywhere. A lot of, a lot of seasonal stuff. Uh, obviously, a lot of inspiration can come out of your garden or from your local produce or from spirits. But um, glassware can definitely be an inspiration too.
1: So we're almost out of time. Okay. But speaking of dreamy cocktails and glassware pairings, I was hoping you could describe the what I can only describe as like the terrarium glass (laughs) with the flowers that we had last night and leave us with that beautiful vision
2: okay so that is a cocktail that I created for Valentine's Day last year and that is a cocktail for two so it is um, that is created by um, a glass designer named um, Martin Jacobs um, Jacobson, And he is a Dutch designer but produces his glasses out of the Czech Republic as well. So that actually, it looks like a bubble, kind of like a snow globe. But it has two glass straws that come out of it. And um, it's this really, he's a genius of a guy. It's, and, and it's all enclosed. So the idea behind it is that it's a picnic glass for your lemonade so that bees can not get into your drink, which is, I think, brilliant. Um, but what I did with it is I put um, I put some cardinal gin in there. Again, one of my favorite things. And then I used a, uh, a Middle Eastern apple tea to infuse with a Riesling. And then I put a, a little tiny bit of uh, simple syrup in there. And then I used some dried hibiscus flowers. And then some fresh edible flowers on top of that as well. So the interesting part there is that when... When the hibiscus flowers rehydrate, then they start to dye the color of they start to change the color of the cocktail. So little by little, and you guys saw this last night, as the cocktail changed from this sort of pretty yellow color from the color of the Riesling, and it slowly gets like pink, this light pink color. And then by the end of the drink, after you know, ten or fifteen minutes of sipping on this cocktail for two, then it's like this really dark beet red, you know, through the, the hibiscus color and it it's beautiful and the, the flavor changes subtly too. Over the course of time, which I think it's fun, mm-hmm. I think it's fun.
1: It's gorgeous. Yeah, and I found over time there were those little coriander flowers mm-hmm. that um, you know at first they're they're white with little greenery, mm-hmm. and um, they started to really visually pop towards the end, yeah. and that that kind right. of cilantro flavor really permeated. It was so special.
2: Yeah, that's really. I that was. That's it's fun. It's cool because the the color when the color changes, then the, the contrast of the drinks and the garnishes change as well. So it's uh, I love things that change. Like I think I'm sort of fascinated with cocktails that change over time, mm-hmm. especially if it's visual as well.
1: So where can our listeners find more of you and these drinks? I think they're all very thirsty. Where can they look? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right, uh, go ahead. Have a cocktail. Um, so you can find, find me on Instagram, uh, at, at Bob underscore Peters. Um, you can also follow us along here at the punch room, which is at the punch room. Um, that's, um, uh, if you want if you do Twitter, then I'm at Bob the bartender, which I think is hilarious. Uh, and then, uh, Facebook is Bob Peters craft cocktails. Uh, my website is Bob dot net. um, I think that's about it. I mean, A few is, there, is there, there any more social media out there?
1: I think you you about covered it. I didn't hear your Tumblr though. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that is. What
2: is Tumblr? What is Tumblr? Pinterest I think it's like or Reddit? Uh, Set, uh, what, is, yeah. what, is, what is Reddit? I don't know. Uh, yeah,
1: I don't know either. Yeah. Um, well, Bob, thank you again yes. so much thank for the wonderful drinks last night, and for the thank tour, you. and for this interview. I hope we see lots more of you soon. What's next on your agenda?
2: Uh, so we're getting geared up for the Atlanta Wine and Food Festival. Uh, or Food and Wine Festival, excuse me, Atlanta Mm -hmm. Food and Wine. And uh, so that's June 1st is the kickoff date, and so I will be at the opening uh, event and pouring some North Carolina cocktails. And so if you guys are in the area, come on down to Atlanta Food and Wine. It's going to be great.
1: Cheers. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. We will be back to you soon with more. Follow us on iTunes. Look for Heritage Radio Network on tour, we'll see you soon.